Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It's the week that was with Joe Palmasolo. It is May 4th, 2019, and the question is, will April showers bring May flowers? Or will April showers bring May showers? That is the big question for today. Welcome to the week that was, or as they say in Mandarin, Nadia Sinchi. Thank you for tuning in this morning. I missed you. I missed you. You had me at hello. It's Cinco de Mayo. Um... Cinco de Mayo Eve, it is the day of the Kentucky Derby, it is, what else is going on? What's big today? There's some other things. Anyway, it's National Tuba Day also, so it's all rolled into one. I I don't know about you, but I'm beside myself. I'm giddy. I'm giddy with excitement over everything that's going on today. The expect I'm I'm expectatious. Wow, do we have a show for you today? I'm kidding. I have nothing. No, yeah, I do. I do. Um, but first, what happened on this day in history? It's interesting. There's some great stuff that happened this day in history. In 1932, on this date, Al Capone began serving his life sentence as convict 40886 in the Atlanta Federal Penitentiary. I'm sorry, he served 11 years, but it turned out to be life. For income tax evasion. After the St. Valentine's Day massacre, after he whacked people with baseball bats, after all the things that he did, he received 11 years for tax evasion. Unbelievable. Al Capone. In 1970, on this day, after a number of days of protest against the U.S. invasion in Cambodia, National Guard troops fired on protesters at Kent State University, and four were killed uh, and ten more injured. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young sang about it with the song that became famous in 1987, Four Dead in Ohio. Um, the On this date, Well, no, they actually did that song much before 1987. They did that song right after. In 1987, the House and Senate Committee begins three months of hearings in the Iran-Contra affair. You remember that? 
which was the sale of American arms sold secretly to Iran. Some of the proceeds were diverted to the Contra rebels, seeking to overthrow the government of Nicaragua, in which case then they sent drugs, cocaine, into south-central Los Angeles, which started the whole crack cocaine era, which people don't often associate with the Iran-Contra scandal. That was in 1987. So, a lot going on. Sadly, there were two more mass shooting attempts this week uh, actually carried out. One in a synagogue in California and one in a university in Charlotte, North Carolina. Are you shocked? Are you saddened? Did you even know? You likely did not know, because instead of things like this, our media is focused on the charade in Congress concerning Attorney General Barr, those who refuse to give it up. Barr testified before the Senate this week. What changed in the history of our country, folks, that allowed scandals or made-up scandals to get to the point where we, the people, end up becoming nothing more than bystanders. We'll take a look at that today. Give you a little history on how this all took place. Comrade Bernie gave advice to Disney this week as to how to spend their earnings from the record blockbuster Avengers Endgame. Uh, Should they listen? Should they listen to him? We'll talk about that. And eight people from six different countries became American citizens in Stark County this week. What did they have to do to earn this? And congratulations, by the way, to all eight of them. And can John Bazika and Stephen Potter pass the test and become American citizens? We're going to find out today. I knew the second you read that story that that's exactly what your surprise was today. Yes. We will have sports with soon-to-be-deported John Bazika. <laughs> <laughs> And the latest from J. David Ress in the news. Our trifecta contest and some duct tapes. Ice is at the front door. I was going to say, they're already out there waiting. <laughs> They've deported my car already. I can't wait for this. You got your paper and your pen. Steven's got his. Here we go. Stay tuned. The week that was will continue right after this. Yes, it is the price of right. Come on down. A new car. (laughs) All right. It is contest time. And and this is a, you know, last week we had a very, very easy one. It was stupid simple. I don't want to say stupid simple. It was simple. This one is extremely difficult. Extremely. It is Kentucky Derby based. Ooh. So put on your bonnet. Your thinking cap. Remember Get who your... used to say that? Thinking cap. Your thinking cap. Get your mint julep ready. 
50 yes. And and here are your answers. You win, by the way. I love these gifts. I don't know how many. Pretty soon, everybody in Stark County is going to have four tickets to the Akron Rubber Ducks if we keep this going. Yeah, that's what I have on mine. Stephen, make sure, because I don't want to lie to the get to the listeners. I am always, always interested in speaking the truth. Hold on. Da-da-da-da! Da-da-da-da! Sing us a song, you're the piano man. We're waiting for Stephen to confirm the gift. Oh, see? You made me waste all that time. All right, the gift is a four-pack of tickets to the Akron Rubber Ducks regular season game of your choice. You'll receive vouchers that you can use any time you want. That's what I like about this gift so much. We give you a choice. Here are the answers for today. Later on in the show, I'm going to give you questions. You have to match these up. And I have a feeling we need to leave a little bit more time for the contest, Stephen, because here you go. The answers today. Number one, California Chrome. California Chrome. That's one. Two, Aladar. Aladar. Number three, Aristides. I'm going to spell that one. A-R-I-S-T-I-D-E-S. Aristides. <clears throat> so you have California Chrome, Eladar, and Aristides. Obviously, three horses. I'll give you that clue in the Kentucky Derby. Now you have to match them up to the questions. We better give it like a half hour for this one. We'll figure it out. All right. John Bazika. Yes. You are from Greece. Stephen Potter, you are from England. You are trying to become American citizens. Always wanted that. Okay. Now it is time to take the citizenship test. And you, folks at home, can actually test yours. We will do this periodically in between stories today. Or we may take the entire three hours and give you every single question. I don't think so. Um, Number one, here's your first question. In your citizenship test, you will either win and become and remain an American citizen. Okay. Or be deported. Instantly after the show. Getting a little scared here, but okay. All right. I have already gotten in touch with the authorities. They are listening. (laughs) Number one, what is the supreme law of the land? Write it down. Write one and write it down. Do not talk. What is the supreme law of the land? Cover up. Cover up your questions. Cover up your answers, Stephen. Of course, neither of you have written a thing. (laughs) Oh, this is good. This is going to be so good. All right. 
That's okay. Move on. Here we go. Number two. What does the Constitution do? Three things. What does the Constitution do? Number three. The idea of self-government is in the first three words of the Constitution. What are the first three words of the Constitution? All right, let's see where you are right now. Let me see your papers. You both got one right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys are getting seriously. Are they out there yet? No. They're uh, not out there yet. We'll keep going. This is what people do. This is what people have to do. I'm going to give you a couple more. Keep. We'll keep going. <clears throat> what, number four, what is an amendment? What is an amendment? This is good for you guys. All right, here's number five. What do we call the first ten amendments to the Constitution? You got it? You folks out there who hear silence, this is why I'm giving them a chance to write the questions down, write the answers down. All right, here we go. The next one. Number six, we have one minute before break. What is the one right or freedom from the First Amendment? What is one right or freedom from the First Amendment? What is the First Amendment? What is one of the rights or freedoms that the First Amendment says? All you have to do is answer what one of them is. All right. And how many amendments does the Constitution currently have? Okay. That's where we're at so far. Folks, how are you doing at home? Our two prospective citizens are struggling here, I believe. Well, maybe not. Stephen looked at me with disdain, like I have a disdain on my shirt. When we come back, we're going to take a break from this. We're going to get into some sports stuff with John Bazika. We're going to get into some other stories. And periodically, throughout the show, I'm going to give these gentlemen questions. Hi. I'm Sergeant Brock from ICE. We'll be right back. The week that was, we'll continue right after this. Yes, this is a veritable boogie wonderland. Ah, ha. We are continuing with Mr. John Bazika, soon to be deported. Um, or maybe not. He revamped some of his answers, I believe. Um, 
but I made them turn over their papers and drop their pens so they couldn't continue. I want to get into this um, Kentucky Derby. The big is it really? Is it the race, or is it the pomp and circumstance? I think it's a little bit of both. Because the lead-up to it is exciting because you have a a full day at, at Churchill Downs of, of different races, and you have all the different hats that you see throughout the day. From... Are there different races? It looks seems like mostly white people go to that. I'm saying horse races. Oh, okay. In uh, defense of what you said, yes, mostly white people do go to the <laughs> Kentucky Derby. Um and normally they're rich. Uh, I mean, it is a big deal because there have been so many Kentucky Derbies. What is it today? Like the 145th 145th one? one. Yeah. So, I mean, anytime you have that many of anything, it's obviously a, a big deal to see who wins. And it seems like in the past couple of years, you've had some pretty dominant horses that have been in the races because you've had two triple crown winners in the last four years. Yeah. So, you know, but with Omaha Beach, a scratch, who was the favorite, it's left you to pick between three other people who are at a five-to-one odds. People or horses? <clears throat> or are they people? Are horses people? They're, they're horses. They're horses. Let me, let me ask you a question. It's just I, I'm not. Who is the athlete? The horse or the jockey? The horse. Why isn't the jockey an athlete? He has to ride on that. Thing. I mean, the jockey is a key part of it, but I mean, the the horse has to win the race. All right, let me ask you another question. The jockey doesn't win the race. Can a horse win the race if the jockey falls off? No, I don't believe so. Why? I'm guessing it disqualifies them because you need a jockey on the horse to. Do you? The horse still wins. What if the horse. Finished first. I mean, that's a damn smart horse. Well, no, it's just running with the pack. Horses are smart. I, I mean, know. they they know that they're running full speed and they're running with other horses. Back in the old days in the wild, wild horses ran together. So could a horse win the race if the jockey falls off? Yeah, I guess they I could. I talked you into it. The answer is actually no. You, they can't because here's why. Not because of the jockey. Not like the jockey has any importance. The horse has to, they have a rule that the horse has to be the same weight when it leaves the paddock or the whatever that thing's called, the starting gate. The post. The post has to be the same weight as when it started. And if the jockey falls off, it's lighter and so they say he has more of an advantage, and he gets disqualified. That's the only reason. Not because the jockey's important or they care that the jockey fell off. The horse has got to be the same The jockey way. could have died, and they'd be like, well, nobody liked him anyway. Uh, so. <laughs> I just don't. I, 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 uh, I'm not into horse racing. I can understand why. I mean, and I know a lot of people could care less that it's today. I went to dog racing a couple times and actually bet on dog. That's the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Dog's chasing a little fake rabbit trying to eat it. And if the dog eats it, catches it, that dog is disqualified. Well, why? He should have won. 
Even if he didn't finish, he ate the rabbit or whatever the thing is. I was telling you that uh, before we came on, uh, I went back through the illustrious history that is the Kentucky Derby and found my favorite name of a horse that's ever won. You have to go back to 1901 when His Eminence won at Churchill Downs. How long has that been going on? Oh, 145 years. We know that. His Eminence. I like that. You like that. It's a great name. They come up with great names. They do. I was going to say some of the names that I... Don't give any of the that I did on my... No, 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 no. I didn't. All right. Some of the names I saw for today's race, Improbable, Maximum Security, and if you want to go for the long shot of all long shots, yeah. at 99 to 1 as of 4 p.m. yesterday, Bode Express... Is Make, your 99 to 1 shot. Makes no sense. Bode Express. Makes no sense. Bode? B-O-D-E? Yeah, like Bode and then Express. I, I don't I don't get that one. That's, that's a foolish name. No wonder he's 99 to 1. I don't like that name. thought I would just tell you that he was 99 <laughs> to 1. <laughs> I want to, you uh, could put a dollar down <laughs> on this piece of crap and horse and win $99. Yeah, it ain't going to happen. I'm not if betting. I had enough money. I don't bet on horses. I'm not betting on on a on an animal. I'm not doing that. You know, I, I love horses. I was going to get Bill Shear on, who has Whispering Grace horses. Sure. I was going to get him on today to talk about horses and horse racing and things, but... Decided I didn't want to bother him with such a, such a, a question, so I didn't ask him. But I just I'm just not into it. I'm not going to bet on a horse and a and a jockey who you know could they they don't like mud in their eyes. They don't like this is supposed to be a wet track. But anyway, enough with that. Enough with it. I want to get on to. Um, Trying to deport me again? Well, we're going to deport you because, and it's not my fault, John. It's yours. Um, it's a civics. I, I didn't. I didn't get the study. So, well, you should know this. You're an American citizen. Let, let's not defend this now with excuses. Let's not some, make it worse. Some of it is like fifth grade knowledge, which <laughs> does does kind of embarrass me. But, but actually, these are pretty tough. But, I mean, a lot of that is, like, stuff that, like, you hear once, you're like, oh, like, I'll need to know that for but a test. But shouldn't we all know yeah. that? Maybe, 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 before we take a break, maybe every citizen of the United States, every five years, should have to take the civics exam in order to keep his or her citizenship. God, I would have been deported, like... <laughs> Well, no, because you would have studied, and you would have well, learned yeah. it, you would have known all this stuff, which you, which we should know. I mean, I there a good portion of what you asked me, I know, but like there are certain things that I know that like you're going to ask me that I'm just going to be like, I don't know, like yeah, that's something that as I said, I heard at one time in like seventh grade. I was like, oh, I'll write that note down and get it right on the test tomorrow, and then exactly, but forget we, it. I think we should do that every five years. I'm gonna I, if. If I were president, I would put that in. Every five years, every American has to take a citizenship test. And if you don't pass it, you you lose your citizenship for five years. 
I mean, I've always wanted to go to the motherland of Greece. No, you wouldn't have to be deported. You just can't vote. You don't get. You don't get benefits. The whole thing. You so, get a green card to work to continue to work till the next five years when you pass a test. What's your question about the NFL, Joe? <laughs> we'll get into that right after this. Stay tuned. Okay, last week. That's another question I want you to ponder. The um, the last week we talked about the red flag with John Dorsey. Yeah, that I have. The Chiefs are doing the same thing. They they basically, um, you know, they brought in people Tyreek Hill, other people who had a lot of past Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt, but they also brought in this new guy this. A guy from Seattle, I think, who actually was um, accused of assault in college. Now, they brought in a guy. So I, I'm looking at this and I'm saying there there are two things in sports that need to be changed. Okay. One is, and, and in the wake of what's going on with the with college basketball, it even makes more sense. The... First of all, if you if you violate a law in the NCAA, a major law, sure. That a, a recruiting violation, something where where a school is put on probation. Okay. That that probation should follow the coach when that coach moves on instead of it staying with the athletes who had nothing to do with it. Makes that's sense. Fair. No, that that's very fair because there are programs, and I think USC was one of them a, a yes. few years ago that went through that, and I always felt like that was unfair to the kids that weren't there when Pete Carroll and Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush and that whole group went through. I Go agree. Ahead. Now the same thing should happen to the NFL. That that teams should be penalized for drafting or signing a troubled player with Mm. a record of past actions. In other words, the Browns signing Kareem Hunt should be penalized for that. Should have a consequence, because let me put it this way. When the Chiefs signed Tyreek Hill, they knew what was going on. Sure. So what they did was they got a great player, a first-round talent, at a lower pick, paid less money, had him three years, allowed him to help them get to the point where they were a great football team, and then the only consequence they got was some public fallout from it. So they used him on a cheap basis— for three years until this point. The same with Kareem Hunt. So how do you how does how do you make this it makes more sense for the league to flag certain players at high risk based on their criminal histories or not criminal histories, their their problems, and set a system that punishes the team that drafts or signed them. If the players get in significant trouble again, the punishment could be greater depending on how well the player plays. 
Yeah, I I, I totally think that makes sense. Because I think then you'd have NFL teams that would go after guys that are purely character then. and Well, or you take the risk, but there's a risk. There's a much bigger risk than just public. Let's say this. How many times have you heard a general manager say, we did the research and we're comfortable with this selection? That happens at least once a week. Okay, so... Why not make them a little bit more uncomfortable for the sake of the league? Because it's Roger Goodell, and he's not that type of person. I mean, that, that'd be on him. And, and he's not the type of commissioner to do something like that. He's the same person that the day the Ray Rice video came out of him hitting his wife and dragging him off the elevator said, well, we need to see and, and we need to dig deeper into the information here. Yeah, he's, he's, the, he's the same guy that said that. And gave him a two-game suspension. Yeah. So, until the video came out. So so he's not going to be the one that's that's going to change this as a whole. I agree that sports-wide, not just the NFL, there needs to be changes with the way they approach things like domestic violence and you know things that are of a more serious nature like that. Yeah, like child abuse. Yeah, things like that need to definitely be addressed. To me, obviously, child abuse and, you know, domestic violence are much more serious offenses than, hey, I was out with my buddies and I smoked a joint the other night. I agree with that. You know, because it's like, here's the thing. In how many years marijuana is going to be legal in this country? So it's like, what is the NFL going to do once marijuana is legal? Because, like, it doesn't really affect your play. It's not like you go out and you smoke a joint and you become a superhuman. Like, if anything, it'll make you a worse player because you'll be like, oh, look, there's the ball. I don't really want to go catch that. Right. You know, so it's like, where where does that line come in? Where do they decide that that they need to make that change? And that's the thing is that the, the morality in sports. When's someone finally going to stand up and wake up one day and say, there needs to be a change here and this needs to happen? Yeah. But it has to happen. But so so someone has got to make this decision because the Chiefs just signed Frank Clark, right? Yeah. Clark was kicked out off his college football team after a domestic violence arrest, and the Chiefs just signed him. You know what else has to happen though, too, Joe? And it's the same thing. And and I know Stephen's giving you the look, so you have to get to a break. But yeah, the thing is, is that in order for something like this to happen, too. It's like when the Browns were 0-16 a couple years ago. Yeah, Fans have to stop coming to games and start protesting things. That is never going to happen, though. But that's what I'm saying. That's what needs to happen. Because I wish they'd do that for NCAA basketball. But you saw what the, uh, the uh, Mark, uh, you know, whatever yeah. it is called. I'm not allowed to say it, I don't think. But the the basketball tournament in March... You saw what that brought in. Yeah. And and we know that basketball is the most, and the NCAA and, and basketball is the most corrupt organization. They they turn around and, and, and the trial's going on right now that they're talking about people give, getting hundreds of thousands yeah, of dollars. I, I just read DeAndre Ayton the other day. They said he was taking money regularly. 10000 a month. Yeah. And 2000 to his friend to live with him. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing, is that in order for something like this to happen, and as you said, 
it will never happen because fans don't care enough to see that. No. Ultimately, the biggest thing that a Browns fan walking down the street cares about right now is Wins. how many games are they going to win this year? Absolutely. It's not how many guys on the team have committed an act of domestic and violence. And unfortunately, it's filtered down to college. It will filter down to high school where winning is all that matters. And and somehow along the line, it's it's got to stop. And that's, this is part of it. Somebody's got to take bold action. That's all I wanted to bring this up for. I've We'll continue this discussion. That's a great discussion, though. We'll continue the discussion after the break. Stay tuned. Okay, get out your paper. I have one more question. Uh Uh-oh. Paper and pencil. Pen, Stephen. (laughs) I have a pen, too. Here we go. What are the three rights in the Declaration of Independence? The three rights in the Declaration of Independence. I'm just going to let that go. I mean, you could go ahead and, and turn your papers over, and, and we'll begin the show again. Um, the I, I wanted to continue with this uh, because I, I think sports in general have to have to change and have to adapt. I, I I do realize that we had now with the media scrutiny on everything and 24-hour sports and 24-hour news and the need to fill things that people are scrutinized more. Things that are happening today happened long ago. Yeah. But were not reported. The media at those times covered for people like Babe Ruth and them. Actually, in in the Yankees of, of Joe DiMaggio's era and those guys. Yeah. You know, and other people. They covered for them. They they made excuses for them. Some of the things that happened with Jim Brown, you know, allegedly. Um, so people are human beings, and we do have to give people chances. All I'm saying is you take those chances at a risk. If you hire a coach in college sports, you should assume any obligations that that coach violated at his previous school. That will cause coaches not to cheat. In other words, a coach at LSU who's basketball coach, um, if anybody hires him down the line, they assume those penalties. Sure. If a coach, if a player, you could still do it. You could still choose to take the risk. But understand that the risk, right now, what are the Browns' risks in Kareem Hunt? That he messes up and they and they get rid of him. Yeah, there's really no, there's really no penalty Bingo. to them signing him. Yeah, so you i'm not saying don't give players second chances you have a right to give them you know give them second chance if you want to it's a business sure but you assume the risks you lose a draft pick or something happens if this guy gets in trouble again that's all i'm saying well yeah because then if you you kind of run on that you know fast and loose track that you want to sign guys like that and let's say you sign a guy that has two offenses that means you lose two draft picks, I mean, that could really level out a playing field of 
teams that tend to go for the guy of less character, it's going to hurt them in the long run. They might win the Super Bowl for the year that they have him, but it's going to set them behind a couple years. Right. So I I agree. I think that could be an interesting concept, but I don't see that happening with the current commissioner in place. I just can't see Roger Goodell doing something like that due to the fact that, that he made a bigger deal out of deflate gate than he did out of Ray Rice or out That's of great point. or out of this thing with, you know, Tyreek Hill. I mean, you, he took Deflategate and acted like it was the worst thing that had ever happened. It's very true. You know, it's a good point. So it's like, uh, well, and how what he got? What did he get? Four game suspension? Yeah, and, and he prolonged that thing out. Goodell did for days. Yeah. So at what point does he say, "I need to worry about the issues that are, you know, a little bit more heinous than?" Somebody might have taken a little well, bit of air out of a football. Well, that's the NCAA. They get people for viol- minor violations, and they come down with a hammer on them, and then they allow for years and years and years, knowingly, they had to know that these guys were getting paid to come oh, to school. Absolutely, they did. So you know, and 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 so that's that's my whole concept. And none of them will ever change because the money is too great. Why did you say hands when you were talking about 20 hands, the horse's 20 hands? Because people always talk about, like, whenever they, like, measure a horse, like, they're always like, you know, Seabiscuit was a small horse. He stood 15 hands. And I've, I've never understood that. Like, I've never, I've never understood, like, does some dude just come to the Kentucky Derby and be like, oh, it's about 30 hands, like. Like I mean, what's what's the what's the yeah, hand size? Why don't size they just then? say four feet tall, five yeah. feet tall, I mean, six the, feet tall, eight feet tall? What's the correct way to do that? Like, well, here's another one. When a horse is three lengths ahead, yeah. What is that? Yeah, how do you know what a length is? Length of what? Yeah, a horse. I would maybe guess. I mean, but what if it's smaller horse? Then are you four lengths ahead? Well, it's like when Seabiscuit won the Belmont. He won by how many lengths? The announcer, the the call that I heard the announcer is like, see a secretariat by 40 lengths. And I was like, how do you know? Like, are we to assume that you could fit 40 horses in between? A horse length or simply length is a unit of measurement for the length of a horse from nose to the tail, approximately eight feet. So, but are you to assume that if a horse is up 10 lengths, he's 80 feet ahead, then you could fit eight horses. Yes. In that area. Yes. And, and horses that stand 20 hands. What if it's a horse that only stands 14 hands? Then it might not be 80 feet from, from nose to tail. I don't know. They should do that in that. A hand is a unit of measure equal to four inches. So, uh, Stephen is providing me all these details. Thank you, Mr. Wizard. Um, okay, enough of that. I, uh, well, I think we have to take a break. You know who didn't have that problem? Who? 
his eminence in 1901. <laughs> I'm sure his eminence came to Churchill Downs and was the the most ripped, the, the handiest horse you've ever seen with his hoofs. He just <sighs> walked around just... Hands down. Yeah. I agree with Why that. don't they do it by hoof? It could be like he's 20 hoofs high. I don't know. And I have to move on, but don't go off in a hoof. <laughs> Stay tuned. The week that was will continue right after this. It is. How quickly these stories come and go anymore. Um, Riley Howe, 21. Ellis Parlier, 19. Were two students shot dead Tuesday as four others were wounded. Uh, the police chief uh, and many others are calling Howe a hero. Um, they were they were shot and killed at UNC Charlotte by a gunman. Uh, Riley Howe was the one who figured out he he couldn't run, he wasn't able to hide, so he went after and attacked and subdued the gunman. But at that point, he was killed. Uh, we we uh, we look at these, and and then at the same time, uh, there was a synagogue shooting uh, at a suspects fired eight to ten rounds. A suspect he uh, he killed, I believe. One person, I'm looking, a 60-year-old, Lori Gilbert K., fatally shooting her, and then shot, wounding the rabbi, and then turning the rifle and wounding an 8-year-old and her uncle and a 34-year-old man. So I, I, I look at this. And again, we, semi-automatic weapons were involved. And I'm still, I I tell you what, folks, I don't see, I don't care if you're, I'm I'm a gun owner. um, But it's a pistol. I, I... I don't see the point, and I have argued this many times, and I've argued it with people. I've tried to get the NRA. You know, I've I've tried to get them. I've tried to get other gun organizations to come on and talk. But I can't see this. I, I have no idea why semi-automatic weapons are allowed to be sold anywhere. I mean, Dick's Sporting Goods was selling them for a time until the CEO of the company got fed up and dropped them. And a lot of people, Dick's Sporting Goods received a lot of backlash. They had they had people protesting. They had groups that pulled their licensing from them. They had a lot of things happening. There are, I understand, the, the Second Amendment and being able to own guns. I do understand that. There are hunters. I I have lots of friends who are avid hunters. I have people who like pistol shooting and and shooting guns. But to me, 
an AR-15? There is no reason that an average citizen should own an AR-15. It makes no sense to me at all. And, and we have to do something to stop this and stop that from happening. I also agree with the red law that Governor DeWine is trying to put through, where if you are, if you have any kind of red flag in your history, in your mental status, that your gun can be confiscated. Now, I know that's a dangerous path to a lot of people, because who determines if you are a if you are at risk and someone could be that that means I could say something and someone could come and take my guns, but that wouldn't be the end of the world to me. And if a few people like myself or anybody else that I'm talking about loses their right to have a gun, but it keeps us safer. I have no problem with that. I know that sounds maybe not conservative, but we have to do something about what's going on because we have become hardened to it. People look for that 15 minutes of fame. They want to do this. They take out their aggression by killing others, their hate for themselves, and they take it out on other people, and we've got to make it harder for them to do that. Force them to throw rocks. Does that make sense? They'll ban rocks then. All right. Stay tuned. The week that was, we'll continue right after this. We're going to get into this whole thing that's going on with the Congress and why this started. What is the history behind a special counsel, an independent counsel? We'll talk about that when we come back. Okay. While all the junk is going on in the world, we have killings. People dying, uh, being shot in a university in North Carolina, in a synagogue. We have, quote, hate crimes going on all over. We have rampant drug problems. Why are these not being covered? Why is the story of the economy not being covered? Because we have become fascinated and enthralled with scandal. Everyone for two years was praising Robert Mueller, was waiting with bated breath, hours and hours and hours and months and months of coverage, waiting the results into this investigation whether the president of the United States essentially committed treason. How many times was that thrown out? And then it devolved into a squabble over the Attorney General Barr's letter saying that he didn't. We've gone from Donald Trump allegedly betraying the nation to Barr allegedly betraying the nation and on and on and on. Let's be clear, folks. If Attorney General Barr wanted to cover for Trump, he could have crimped the Mueller probe, the Mueller probe, sat on the report, 
or redacted it into a meaningless nothing. He did none of that. Barr's offense is releasing his summary of the findings. No one, no one has claimed or can claim that his findings in the summary were inaccurate. Even Mueller conceded as much in a phone call after the special counsel said his letter. Mueller instead complained about the press coverage of the summary, which isn't, strictly speaking, the attorney general's responsibility. Now, indeed, I'll give you this. Trump's initial claim of total exoneration was made uh, in explicit contradiction to Barr's stipulation that Mueller hadn't exonerated him on obstruction. He He didn't go either way. But it wasn't the attorney general's job to Trump proof his summary. You knew the president was going to claim vindication whenever it became clear that Mueller had come up empty on Russian collusion. The alleged part, main part, of the investigation. Why it started in the first place. When Mueller came back with his letter requesting the release, he... Robert Mueller wanted Barr to release the summaries in in small increments. Barr declined because he didn't want to get into this piecemeal releases when the entire report was going to be made public anyway. This is what makes this whole Barr contribute or. Uh, controversy nonsensical. He went further than he had to under the regulations to release the entirety of the report, letting everyone read it and decide for themselves what else was he supposed to do. Everyone has the report. They have Mueller's words. And the only redactions are the redactions that were mandated for him to redact. I go through this, and and ultimately, the firestorm over Barr's summary letter is a misdirection, and he's a scapegoat. Because ultimately, if Robert Mueller wanted to recommend charging Trump with obstruction of justice, he could have done so and should have done so. That was his charge. Instead, he punted. And now he, or some people around him, are upset that Barr's letter accurately stated his convoluted, not guilty, not exonerated, Bottom line. Bar, or Mueller left it this way. He said there could have been obstruction. There could have been some obstruction, but it wasn't something that you could legally charge him with. 
As for Democrats, if they disagree with Barr's conclusion that Trump didn't commit a chargeable crime, it is fully within their power to impeach the president for abuse of power. That is what the Founding Fathers put in place. Stop the nonsense with Barr. Stop the nonsense with Mueller. If you think there's an abuse of power, impeach. Get on with it. The standard that Barr was adhering to, whether there was any chance of proving the obstruction beyond a reasonable doubt, is more stringent than that for impeachment. So you can go for impeachment. But they want someone to do the work for them. They wanted Mueller to blow Trump out of the water, and now they want Barr to adopt an adversarial posture toward the president and will be shocked at anything less. Barr and his letter are now the focus of such political and media ire The fact that it is, is a symptom of the lunacy of this era rather than anything rotten in the DOJ. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you why this has happened. Stay tuned. All right, let's discuss where we are today when it comes to politics, fabricated or real scandals. And how it got to the point where political parties in Congress no longer shoulder the work of dealing with scandals. But look to the independent prosecutors to make it happen so that their hands can be washed clean. I think we all agree, anyone in their right mind would agree, that no political administration has been without a scandal lying beneath the surface. There are, and always have been, things done behind the doors of Washington that went unreported, or at least underreported. What's the difference today? To understand the political scandal, we have to first take into account all of the interests of those accused and those who are accusing. The problem is, The true interests are rarely revealed. We never know the reason behind accusations, the reason behind why people are upset. Many great scandals arise not as a means of exposing corruption today, protecting the people, but as a means of attacking political foes. This is true on both sides. These are especially true in the aftermath of elections that threaten the authority of the stab of established order. In this case and others, scandal, whether true or not, provides a way for defenders of the status quo to undermine the legitimacy of those elected on a platform of challenging that status quo, thus diluting the will 
of the electorate. This will happen no matter who is in par- who the party is. Why do you think it's so hard or almost impossible for an independent to win the presidency? Because it challenges the two-party system, the status quo, the two parties that keep us jumping from one foot to the other, fighting each other while they continue to do the same thing. When someone comes in who's outside of that, there will be scandal, whether true or false. The difference now is that most political scandals are eventually turned into legal dramas. Think about that. This is new, which transforms them from the from political or partisan into a neutral legal struggle. How brilliant is that? The way that they are resolved may have great political impact, but those in charge of resolving them are the neutral party, judges, prosecutors, and not Congress. This all began with the passage of the Ethics in Government Act in 1978. This is when it all started. The act established the Independent Council Statute in 1978. This essentially transformed political and policy disputes that were once handled by Congress and the people through the election of those Congress people into legal disputes in which members of the Congress keep their hands clean, avoid the fray altogether, and leaving us as bystanders watching this great charade. For nearly two centuries, prior to the passage of the Ethics in Government Act, there was no legal mechanism of government outside of those granted by the Constitution to the three branches of government. The separation of powers was the Constitution's way of adjudicating all political disputes. In the most serious political disputes, The legislative branch had the power to impeach the president with both sides of the aisle making their issues clear in full view of the American people. Today, by contrast, Congress has abdicated the role, referring all major disputes to an independent, neutral prosecutor so that they can seem as nonpartisan spectators. And we have become completely out of the picture, watching it as if we're watching Game of Thrones. This is what has happened. Prior to 1978, and this is what I'm saying now, is instead of having this circus of bringing Barr in, of accusing him of doing things, first accusing, waiting for Mueller when Mueller's report didn't come back conclusive, then attacking Barr, then attacking this person, keeping this as a circus. Stop. Get to the point. If you feel like there are grievances, 
use your constitutional means, legislative branch, to impeach the president. Get it all out on the table. Bring it forth. It will be televised. You can then raise all your questions. The other side can raise all their questions in in full view of those of us who elect you. Stop the charade. Stop washing your hands. Stop trying to do it the judicial, the through independent people. Stop accusing and get to the point. Put your money where your mouth is, so to speak. Impeach. Do it now. And get on with it. And when it's done, it's done. But see, that isn't politically expedient. They would rather keep this going and neuter an administration that they feel is a threat to the status quo. This will happen over and over and over in our history. Put up or shut up. Impeach or let it go. That's what needs to happen. But as of 1978, with the introduction of the Ethics and Government Act, things have changed. Now you know the rest of the story. Stay tuned. The week that was will continue right after this. Hour number three of the week that was, and take out your papers and pens, gentlemen, as ice waits outside the door. We continue our quiz. Come on, Stephen, quit stalling. (laughs) He's stalling. You ready? Okay. What are the three branches of government? Who is the head? Of the executive branch. We are continuing our quiz, by the way, for citizenship to make sure that John and Stephen name one of Ohio's U.S. senators. Name a Ohio House of Representatives member. (laughs) What is the name of the Vice President of the United States? Spiro Agnew. Uh, okay. I'm not going to do that one. What is the highest court in the United States? And how many justices 
are on that court. Okay, I'll give you a question a few more later on, and we'll grade these. <clears throat> Turn over your papers and put down your pens. Thank you. John was counting on his fingers. No, you weren't. Mm. All right, I wanted to get into uh, another story. We don't hear anything about this. We hear about Barr. We hear about Mueller. We hear constantly about other things. But did you know, did you guys know, by the way, that our unemployment rate right now is at a 49-year low? Did you know that the average wage in the United States for working people hit $27.77 an hour? Did you know the stock market has been on a continuous rally? Do you know that Trump's approval rating was 50%? Could you imagine that? Hispanic unemployment is the lowest ever. The unemployment rate for African Americans, although still too high, was at 15.3% in 2009, rose to 16 all the way through 2011, and it remained in double digits till 2015. Currently, it sits at 6.7%. The unemployment rate for women is the best it's been since 1953. There's record jobs right now, even for high school dropouts. Unemployment rate was last this low in December of 1969 when it hit 3.5%. Did you know that? Because you never hear it. You know, when, when, the, when the economy is in trash, all we're hearing right now, we've got shootings, we've got Venezuela in a mess. We've got so many things going on in our country. The unemployment rate is the lowest it's been in 49 years. People are working. The unemployment rate for Hispanics, African Americans, and women are lowest in decades. Wages are rising. And yet you don't hear anything about this. It bothers me. And Bernie Sanders, comrade, I call him comrade. Comrade Bernie just gave Disney some advice this week. Avengers Endgame, you know what it's doing. Anybody who's seen or read anything about this movie, it's breaking, shattering all records. 
It was a massive investment for Disney of capital. All the actors, the extras, the screenwriters, the technicians, the artists, many others. The people who made this movie bet on it, invested, risked millions, hundreds of millions of dollars into this movie. And it is breaking all records. So many people went to see it in the U.S. and around the world that the movie broke multiple records on the opening weekend. Bernie Sanders came out and said, tweeted, in typical fashion, what would be truly heroic is if Disney used its profit from the Avengers to pay all of its middle-class wage earners instead of paying the CEO. Now, on the surface, that sounds great. What would truly be heroic if they did that? And Bernie Sanders has amassed $2.5 million. Now, I'm saying this. As a business owner myself, when we started the business, we risked our entire money, our houses, everything, the two of us. We didn't ask our workers to risk. We risked it. It could either rise or fall based on our bets, our work, our efforts, our our sleepless nights. We share some of our wealth with our workers. We share it in the form of wages, and we share it in the form of bonuses. But should I say, if I profit on a great project, does that mean I give it to everybody instead of paying me? Disney risked on this. And this comes from a guy. How did Bernie Sanders raise to become earning or have a net worth of $2.5 million? He did it the old-fashioned way, politics. Bernie Sanders has never built anything, never risked his money on a dream, never created one job nor had ever to meet payroll, he never had to deal with banks, had sleepless nights over his ventures. Yet this man is telling those who risk it all and bet on their visions how to spend their earnings. And no one blinks an eye. No one says, who are you to give advice on on?" running a company. You who have made a life in politics that has earned you $2.5 million. And how much money has Bernie Sanders ever donated to charity? Out of all his earnings, 2.26% of his earnings have been given to charity. 
The largest was $36,000 one year. Excuse me, Bernie. I want someone advising companies who has actually done it, how they should spend their money. How dare you, who have never risked a dime, who have made a life in politics that has earned you millions, telling others how to spend theirs, those who have actually been in the arena. Stay tuned. The week that was will continue right after this. You know, today is National Tuba Day. It's International Tuba Day. What? Yeah. Did you know that? I mean, I look forward to this day every year. It is. It's not a tuba. I go to people and I say, look at my sousaphone. Yes, I don't think it's a sousaphone day, though. Or a sousaphone a tuba. Is it considered a tuba? That's interesting. I one time went to a very tuba Christmas. I'm not even lying to you. This is actually a thing that I went to one time. No. I was in Cincinnati with my brother. We have a buddy who plays tuba. And at this mall in Covington, Kentucky, they were playing a very tuba Christmas. No. Songs with nothing but tubas. Are they? Was it good? It was interesting. Can they? Yeah, that would be bizarre. Someone, How does somebody choose to play the tuba? I mean, it's normally whoever like the biggest person is in the band. They're just no, like, actually, hey, all you have to do is just play this like relieved big instrument. You know, it's the last Friday in May. No, wait, the first Friday in May to celebrate these amazing performers who are so unappreciated. Someone came up with this. What makes them so amazing? Let's start with what it takes to lug a big, heavy instrument. Then let's think about the sheer lung capacity necessary for playing this bombastic instrument. Very nice use of the word bombastic. Are tuba players the offensive line of bands? Think about this, John, aren't they? Probably. They're the offensive linemen, because everybody talks about the trumpets, the trombones, the flautists. Ah. But the tuba players... But... In marching bands, though, tuba players are the ones that get most of the... Don't they get the dot the I? They do. <clears throat> they get to do a lot of things. Tubas, I don't I don't know. Maybe they go oompod, though, John. Isn't that you? This is our tribute to International Tuba Day. Somehow that doesn't excite me. Harmony. <laughs> Stephen just looking at us. <laughs> a little bit of harmony there. This is our tribute to national international tuba. That's called day. tuba fanfare for those that were wondering. Yeah. Oh, it is. 
You can find that on YouTube. Oh, that's great. You're Thank, welcome. Thank you so much for that. It's also Cinco de Mayo. We'll talk about that when we come back. Stay tuned. The uh, weather for today, by the way, can be, best be summed up in the sun will come up on Monday. Bet your bottom dollar that on Monday you'll see the sun. It's going to be cloudy today, cloudy tomorrow, cloudy tomorrow night. Sunshine and some clouds on Monday, high of 74. You should be happy that there's not a uh, racehorse name. The sun will come up. Tomorrow. Because then everyone who was listening would have been like, well, damn, how do I bet on him on Monday? (laughs) Hey, Cinco de Mayo is tomorrow. What is Cinco de Mayo? A lot of people, like myself, think that it is Mexico's independence. It's not. Actually, Cinco de Mayo is a day observed to commemorate the Mexican army's victory over the French Empire at the Battle of Pueblo in 1862. However, the following year, the French came in with more people and defeated the Mexican army and reclaimed Mexico City and Mexico. That's what Cinco de Mayo represents. Now, in Mexico, it's not that big of a deal. There's some military parades. There's some things like that. There's some different things that they use to commemorate it. But it has gotten the the people who celebrate Cinco de Mayo are here in the United States. And why? The, this day gained nationwide popularity in the 1980s, thanks especially to advertising campaigns by beer and wine companies. Today, Cinco de Mayo generates beer sales on par with the Super Bowl. That's what Cinco de Mayo is all about here. I, you know, I thought it was Mexican independence. I was wrong. Mexican independence was actually in, I believe, 1863. Yes. No. It's actually, um, I don't know. I don't know when it is. September 16th. I'm sorry. September 16th is Mexican Independence Day. There you go. I have a story for you. that This story is unbelievable, folks. True story actually happened, and it is unbelievable. There were two local Florida teens in a place called Volano Beach, Florida. These two took their senior skip day and they went on an adventure that turned into a fight for their lives. True story. Tyler Smith and Heather Brown, both 17 years old, they had been friends since fourth grade. They decided to take their senior skip day and swim offshore in Volano Beach, Florida. Now, you got to listen. This is unbelievable. 
They became stranded two miles offshore and had to fight, start fighting for their lives. They started tiring. They didn't think they were going to make it. They became weak. They started to try and hold each other up and were beginning to go underwater. At that point, they actually began to pray. Tyler said, I cried out, if you really do have a plan for us, like, come on, bring it. And then they, a boat came. A boat that was sailing from South Florida to New Jersey spotted the two teens in distress. Brown said, I started swimming towards it. I was like, I'm going to get to this boat. Just stay here. I'm going to get to the boat. What was the name on the boat? Amen. True story. Wow. True story. The first words that came out of my mouth, one of the teens said, was, God is real. There is no other reason, no other explanation in the world other than God. They were praying. The boat said was named Amen. Unbelievable story. True story. When we come back, we'll have our contest, have a couple other stories, and we'll grade the tests. See how well you did. Whether you're going to be deported or you get to stay. Ooh, what would I do if you both got deported? I'm just going to make my way out now. Okay, stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, just a hard one, but you've got a chance to win a four-pack of tickets to see the Akron Rubber Ducks at a game of your choice, your choosing. I'm going to go to caller number three. What's your name, please? Hello? Hello? Yes. Joe, this is Liz. Hey, Liz. I can't believe it. Well, why? Do you, why? If you call oh, us. I, I, don't, I don't know, because my my phone fell out of my hand. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Liz. I'll, I'll never get in. <laughs> All right. You, are you ready to try and answer these? Um, this... I, I've, got the, I've got the answers. For the uh, contest, yeah, I know, but uh, you mean the you mean the um, citizenship? No, I'm not going to make you do that. You've uh, okay. All right, all right. Which horse? Uh, uh, here we go, Liz. Okay. Which horse won the 2014 Kentucky Derby? What about that uh, California? Um, it was either Crohn's or Thrones. I couldn't understand the second word. Yeah, Chrome. That's good. You got that. Oh, okay. Affir- right. Affirmed won the Triple Crown in 1978, beating the same horse in each of the three races. Which horse came in second in each race? Wow. Aladar. Yes, very good. <laughs> what horse won the first Kentucky Derby? Um, Aristides. Yes, it did. Don't ask me to sell it. <laughs> no, I'm not going to ask you. Liz, you won. I'm going to put you on hold. 
I'm going to let John Bazika is going to take your information. Yeah, okay. And then you can come in and pick up your, your vouchers this week. All right. You have a God week. bless you. God bless you too, Liz. You All take right, care. Bye bye. I'm going to put you on hold. Don't hang All up. All right. All right. All right. All right. I'm going to grade these tests. You guys did actually pretty well. You missed number one. Um, the question was, what is the supreme law of the land? That is the Constitution. Okay. Uh, you got number two right in kind of convoluted different ways, but you got it close to right. We the people is the answer to number three. Very good. An amendment changes the Constitution. You both got that. The Bill of Rights, you both got that. Freedom of speech and press, etc. you both got that. Uh, you both missed the amendments. There are 27 amendments to the Constitution. Um, John was close, I think. He had 28. Yeah, you were you were both close. Uh, the right of liberty, li- life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the rights given in the Declaration of Independence, very good. You both got executive, legislative, and judicial. Very good. I'm impressed. President, you both got that. He's the head of the executive branch. Um, you both put Sherrod Brown. Very good. You both missed the next one. Thomas West and Kirk Schuring, John said, which is state representatives. Oh, you say, you you put Colonel Sanders. Yes. Uh, you both got Mike Pence. Um, you both said Supreme Court, but one of you said seven justices. I think you, Stephen. John got nine. So really, um, you both missed only three out of 14. I think, let me let me look. What do you think, guys? Okay, you can stay. Mm. You guys did. I, I'm impressed. You guys did really well. Which three did I miss? You missed uh, Thomas West and Kirk Schuring because they're state representatives. Okay. You missed 28 amendments. It's 27. It was very close. Did it, Stephen get that one right? No, he put 36. Um, you both missed the supreme law of the land. What is the supreme law of the land? The Constitution. Wow. So you both missed that. But you got all the other ones correct. Um, three, out of, three out of 14 is pretty doggone good. I got nine Supreme Court justices right there. You did. That was I. You were counting on your fingers. I, I, <laughs> I was just thinking. I was trying to think of. I was trying to think of like because I could think of like a number of them, but then like I couldn't think like exactly what the number uh, was. I thought I was, I for, nine for a young man, John. I am shocked. I actually thought that I actually went into this thinking that you probably wouldn't do very well in that. You did fabulously, both of you. Congratulations to you. You could both stay in the country. Um, 
Here's a story real quick that I wanted to give. Afghan pilot training ends. <laughs> what what the United States was doing was bring bringing Afghan military over to the United States to train them to fly. Okay? They were training, they were bringing them in, they were training them to fly. But unfortunately, 40% of the pilots of the students enrolled in the U.S.-based training program to fly went AWOL. (laughs) 40%, over 40%. They went AWOL, they disappeared. So after a while... The United States government said, wait a minute, we, let's move everybody back to Afghanistan. We'll train them over there. They took off. They did a study. They said, we found that nearly half of all foreign military trainees went AWOL in the United States since 2005. Half. They bring them over here. They train them. And they go AWOL. So they said of the 152 AWOL Afghan trainees, 83 of them went through the training, fled the United States, or remained unaccounted for. So we taught them how to fly military aircraft, and they fled the United States or are still not found. Brilliant. (laughs) Brilliant. How about a school cafeteria worker? Went berserk. One night, she was in the building working. 30 years old, she's charged with assault. Some kids were playing in the playground. She took a BB gun and started shooting at them. She... One of the students said the police told they were shooting at them from an upstairs window. She told them if she didn't get them that night, she was going to get them the next day. She was yelling at them, and she was shooting at them. One of the students said he started ducking. People were running. They could feel the the BBs. They could hear them whisk past their head. <laughs> She went nuts. She was in the top floor of the school shooting BB guns at the kids at 7.30 at night playing in the playground. Unbelievable story. I get that the Salisbury steak is bad and all, but... <laughs> you think they'd be shooting at her. That's funny. What else is on your mind, J- John and Stephen? I think you've covered a lot today, Joe. Wait, we have covered... Quite a bit. Tomorrow, happy Cinco de Mayo, even though it's kind of fabricated by beer companies. I want to thank J. David Russ with the news. John, all the sports and all the banter. The Stephen Potter for putting this all together. Except he didn't get the sun to come up tomorrow, so I gave him about a minute to try and get it. It really wasn't I messed up the tuba song, by the way. But, oh, by the way, that's a disclaimer I have to give real quick. I, I like telling the truth on this show, and we have to tell the truth. John Bazika played that, and it wasn't tubas. It was electronic music 
to sound like tubas. So we have to clarify that. It's the biggest scandal that we've had on this show in like 15 years. Not all heroes wear capes, Joe. (laughs) Have a great week, everyone. Make something great happen. See you next Saturday.